You're listening to Big Girl Money. I'm Ronnie Bergner, and I host this podcast with my mentor, Wendy Bowling. And I've been in my career for over 30 years. And I've been around for two. We mix up our millennial and baby boomer perspectives to give you perfectly balanced career advice, inspirational stories, and more. This is Big Big Girl Girl Money. Also, provided by Costco, which is the cheapest place you can get beer. So, really? Yes, we will get them as one of our sponsors too. Costco? That would be awesome. I have an embarrassingly large amount of clothes from Costco. Oh, wow. I can even show you because we're doing a video call. <laughs> you don't have to right now. Fashion show. No fashion show. Fashion show. Fashion show fashion show at lunch that's from the office i have this jacket wow army green very cute how would i tell the listeners what you said to me during our rehearsal for women who code live event i don't remember what you said no what you said what did i say i was a little chilly so i went to put on my sweater (laughs) which i wear at work all the time. It's like my sweater I keep at my desk. And Wendy just goes, I'm sorry, is that a robe? (laughs) And what did you say? I remember this now. You're not the first person to say this to me. (laughs) You have to be careful of your Zoom calls. I just could not believe how beautiful you were in the dress rehearsal of the Women Who Code live broadcast. Okay, this week I have gotten such a range of reactions to you when I turn my Zoom on. I turned my camera on at that and you went, oh my God, you are so beautiful. And then I turned my Zoom on tonight and you went, ooh, you're looking a little tired. (laughs) Can always count on you to be honest. I know. Well, you know, I don't spend my mother's day with just anybody. Oh, yeah. Happy Mother's Day. Thank you. I hope you sucked up to yours. Yeah, I did. I dropped off flowers and chocolate and um, a card to my mama. Very nice. I'm very proud of you. How was your Mother's Day? You went golfing? And I rocked at it. You know why? Because it was Mother's Day. No, because I have smaller boobies. (gasps) And so it's easier to swing. Whoa! I said it was so funny. I know I'm kind of getting through the whole journey, Neil, because I actually am joking about breast cancer. That's what a step you have taken. I know. I said one of many positives of breast cancer. (laughs) You said one of many positives. They all looked at me. The other two women looked at me like, "Should I laugh? Should I not?" (laughs) You're like, just to clarify, I've had breast cancer, so I can say that. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. It's a lot. <laughs> and they know me well enough, believe me. So, but um, no, it was a good day. And now I get to spend it with you too. So it's been good. And I got to run a jackhammer yesterday. 
So yeah, tell me about that. That just sounds like a thrill. It was so powerful, Ronnie. It was so cool. <laughs> and at first I was a little nervous about it because it kind of got away from me a little bit and almost took me down, but I just heaved it back up. Now I'm kind of hurting today, let's be honest. But, <laughs> but all I could think was how do people do this eight hours a day? I know. Well, that's what I was thinking when Parker and I refinished the hardwoods. Sure. And you have to use the edging sander and you have to bend over and Parker would roll his eyes if he heard me right now because he did like 90% of the edging because <laughs> I just couldn't stand it. But I was like, I can't believe people do this every single day. It's so exhausting. Oh, I know. I thought I was like Miss Powerful Girl, but there were some moments where my jackhammer little end part got stuck into the cement and I had to stop it and get Chris to pull it out for me. Oh, and it, dang it. Bugged that, the hell out of me. Like, oh, that's the worst. I can't pull out my own jackhammer. I'm so mad. I know. That shit pisses me off here too. When I have to ask Parker <laughs> for help with something, I'm like, oh. I, I know. Mean. Exactly. I'm so weak though. I can't even do a push-up. Well, that needs a change. Here, want to see me try? No. You're doing it anyway. Yes. The, uh, the, the power of the video interview. Okay. Ready? I'm ready. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, I got. <laughs> that was one. Your face got real red, like you said, when you run. <laughs> oh, my God. So, um, a little, I have some advice for all the listeners as far as uh, some work from home tips. Okay. Okay, so don't go for a lunch run right before your next meeting, because <laughs> that's what I did. I went for my lunch run, and I came back, and I felt like I was going to pass out, so I laid on the cold tile, and I was, like, pressing my face on it to try and cool down, because when I run, my face gets, like, splotchy <laughs> like a tomato. Jimena's listening to this, and I know she's laughing, because she has seen me like a splotchy tomato so many times <laughs> and I was like I gotta get this to go away I got 10 minutes so I'm like my face is squished like this on the cold tile couldn't get it logged into my meeting and of course the first thing somebody says is Ronnie are you okay <laughs> I'm like yes I'm okay I mean, what do you ever say to that right I know I don't know it's like when it's like when you said that I look tired I don't know what to say to that it's just like yeah oh no, you just look so different from our dress rehearsal. <laughs> Makeup is a beautiful thing. <laughs> I mean, you came, you came on that dress rehearsal like a movie star. You had the, <laughs> you had the, the lipstick. You had it all. Well, the lipstick was also another like close call. The Zoom meeting. I just put it on with probably two minutes left to the Zoom meeting, and I put it on, and I was like, "Whoa, that is bold right. to say the least." Right, bold. But. At yeah. that point, I have no time left to change it, so might yeah. as well leave it. You're just rolling with it. Yeah. But you showered me with compliments. I felt, I felt very confident. I was so impressed. And now I have lipstick beside my computer for my Zoom meetings now. Oh, I inspired you. Yeah, you did. <laughs> so. I'm glad I brought some confidence into that rehearsal because we did our live episode with women who code and... Wendy is a speaker, so she doesn't get that nervous anymore and has done this a million times. I, even though we do the podcast, so I shouldn't really get nervous since it was live. Oh, yeah. Just so nervous. Oh, my yeah. God. I was like, I just laid on the floor afterwards because I was so sweaty. 
but it went really well. And you know, you gave me some words of encouragement and it was all right. Yeah, it was so good. It turned out so great. We had 45 minutes of questions. Yeah, that was awesome. We had, my favorite part is that we had some like questions prepared in case nobody asked questions and we didn't even need them because there no. were so many questions. No, and people were just chatting. I love the whole chat thing, seeing people respond to everything going on. Yeah. I love that immediate feedback. I just, I want us to go on the road and have some live podcasts. Go on the road. I want to, I want to have a road show. <laughs> that would be so awesome. I want some groupies and a road show. Groupies <laughs> and a road show. Me too. Hell yeah. I would get a different t-shirt every city that we went to. That's one way to go. Wendy, you would be appalled at the amount of concert t-shirts and t-shirts I have. It's an entire drawer in my dresser. Oh my God. Oh, also look at this. Oh my God, she's showing me. No, 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 no. But I'm going to show you this. I have this ready. I found it and I'm ready to return it to you. Oh my God. You are a thief. I know. Sorry. That's I'm holding a t-shirt Wendy gave me to borrow for a Nuggets game probably a year ago. Yes. Don't ever, word to the wise, don't ever loan Ronnie anything, ever. Yeah. You will never see it back. So. Yeah, I wish I could fight that, but I can't. She, she is that friend. Well, this has been so much fun to get caught up. Yeah. Okay, in this episode of Big Girl Money Today, we highlight an amazing organization preparing our next generation of advocates. And we'll close with a big girl spotlight providing some much needed rays of sunshine. Yes. Ronnie, can you tell us a little bit about our guests? So, or our role, our famous catchphrase, roll that interview. Okay, let me, let me introduce them so you can say your catchphrase. Okay, okay. Okay, so today we are lucky to have not one, not two, but three guests from the incredible nonprofit Young Invincibles. So our first guest is the Rocky Mountain Organizing Coordinator, Cameron Vihill. She is responsible for implementing Young Invincibles consumer education and engagement work in Colorado. She is accompanied by two of YI's young advocates, Johnny Nguyen and Rebecca Turner. Johnny is a 21-year-old student pursuing a major in psychology and a minor in sociology and nursing. He's working with other student advocates and lawmakers on a solution to aid post-secondary students who struggle with mental health on college campuses. Rebecca Turner is studying environmental studies and her work with Young Invincibles focuses on policy surrounding mental health. She has helped to develop legislation surrounding mental health resources on college campuses all around Colorado. Roll the interview. <laughs> So we are so happy to have Cameron Vihill, Johnny Wynn, and Rebecca Turner. Oh my God, I already messed up. <laughs> the easiest one. The easiest one. <laughs> We're so happy to have Cameron Vihill, Johnny Nguyen, and Rebecca Turner here from Young Invincibles. Yeah. Oh, so welcome to Thanks the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having us. So tell us about Young Invincibles, which is the coolest company name that we've had on the podcast so far. <laughs> um, how did the organization get started and what's the main problem it's trying to solve? 
Yeah, uh, we have a really cool origin story, I think. Our organization was founded by a couple of students attending Georgetown Law School in the summer of 2008. They realized that young adults and students didn't really have much of a voice around the debate around healthcare reform. And so they decided to create a organization out of a school cafeteria and it's expanded oh since then how cool yeah we just had our 10-year anniversary in 2019 and it it's been a a lot of celebration across the nation which has been fun that's really great so how did you all each first get involved i actually was a young adult part of our engagement programs i started in the young advocates program which rebecca and johnny are both part of and then i transitioned to the national and youth advisory board oh. um, before being a full-time staff member that is such a cool idea the idea that you actually are volunteering for an organization and then end up working in it. Yeah. Great. Wow. Be careful what you volunteer for. People. <laughs> you may end up working in that place. <laughs> so uh, how I got into it was another advocate was working prior before me and she recommended me because I'm already so passionate about mental health of trying to get into the field already. So it was a perfect segue to it. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's great. And you do it as an almost volunteer uh, assignment as you're going to school or where are you at? Yeah, so pretty much I am working three jobs, including this one. Oh, my God. And and going to school. Um, It's not that bad. Uh, (laughs) Really? (laughs) It sounds bad. bad. (laughs) But if anything... um, I like what this job does for me. It's probably my favorite job out of the three I have, you know what I mean? That's great. So. Hopefully none of his other bosses will listen. Yes, yes. I do want to add that the Young Advocates Program is paid. We want to make sure we're paying our young adults. We're at the, our youth advisory board since they only meet quarterly. Sure. Is volunteer basis, but the Young Advocates Program is paid for our young adults because we really value the time and energy they, they put into all of our programming. That is amazing. And then now tell us your story, Rebecca. How did you get involved? So um, I'd already been involved in social justice work surrounding like the environment. Um, I'd worked with environmental policy quite a bit. and You're not even that old, so this yeah, is pretty cool. I worked for um, Greenpeace and Environment Colorado doing internship and full-time work with them. And I just am in love with trying to change the world and trying to really get policy change to help people who are underserved and try and bring humans closer to the environment they live in. And so I was really intrigued by the fact that Young Invincibles worked with policy and could get me more involved in the legislative process and how it works and I also have a passion for mental health because I've had my own deep struggles with mental illness and um, addiction to substances so myself and a bunch of my friends um, I just I just wanted to do something to help us and help the people that I was so close to who I knew were struggling with these things. That's amazing and so courageous of you to share that because I don't know a lot of people that do. So you, you own it in such a good way. So it started out by getting young people more involved in health care reform. Mm-hmm. And then now, do people kind of get to pick things that they're passionate about? Like we're talking a lot about mental health today. Yeah, that's a great question. And I forgot to add kind of what our mission is. And it's, as you could tell from Johnny and Rebecca's statements, uh, we really work towards elevating young adult voice in every branch of the government and really fighting to get um, financial security for them. And so we have different buckets of issue areas. It started off obviously as healthcare, and then we went into a more of higher education and civic engagement and workforce and finance. Each office looks a little bit different. And what's awesome is 
the young adults um, really drive what that work looks like in each region. Here in Colorado, we do a lot of work around mental health. Mm -hmm. uh, New York, they do a lot of research and wonderful work around student homelessness. Uh, Illinois, I know, does a lot of work around apprenticeships. So it really just depends on what's important to those young adults, what are their needs, what do they want to work on. Well, and I love this because a lot of people in my generation, you know, I'm 56, we went to work as, well, we have to be like our parents, or mostly our dads, our moms didn't work a lot. And you put down your shoulder and you just trudged along and you didn't think about how do I connect what I'm passionate about to the work I do? And you're teaching people how to say they can have both. It can be an and, not an or. That's really phenomenal. Absolutely. And I'm hoping for the young adults in our programs that they're able to leave with tools that will let them fight for issues that are important to them that aren't just excluded to healthcare or higher education. Yeah. You know, Rebecca's very passionate about um, environmental science. I'm yeah. hoping for what she's able to gain with Young Invincible, she can apply that elsewhere. Yeah. And one of the things that I've learned and like to emphasize with people is I have a lot of friends that are doing jobs that aren't, you know, it's the legal counsel for a big company. And would you say, hey, are you changing the world with that job? And they would feel like less because they weren't out doing some of the neat things that you're doing. And somebody, it was one of our guests that said to us, I realized my paycheck could fund all this cool passion work I could do outside. And I thought that is a fabulous way to think about it differently. Do you guys know what you want to do? Yeah, so I'm already like really passionate about mental health. So the goal for me is becoming a psychiatric nurse practitioner. Wow. So still working around the whole mental health field, but you know, I'm still really young. I'm not going to be a psychiatric nurse practitioner anytime soon yeah. with all the debt I have right now. Yeah. Um, but it's the little things that matter. So that's what this job is teaching me and helping me do. Just kind of advocating for mental health and whatnot. Yeah. Even if I don't have a degree yet, you know? So yeah. You can still make a difference. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. And when you do, you can do all those other things and, at a, on a bigger level. Yeah, and definitely a lot of depth from there. <laughs> yeah, so. Exactly. So you two are cohort leads. So what exactly does that mean? Well, it basically means that we're a part of a group of young adults who come from really diverse backgrounds and have diverse passions. And we just basically work as a team to tackle some of the issues that we care about. We form strong bonds during the process and also help to change things. Uh, one of the things I'm working on personally is the mental health checklist. Um, this checklist is pretty much advocating that all institutions have more mental health services within institutions. Because like, we live in a day where mental health is real. It's a lot more predominant rather than, you know, the last generation, you know? How would this be operationalized? I can or, give a little background information. Um, previous cohorts were working on gaining mental health policy wins on their individual <sighs> institutions, right? Um, so we had students who were like, hey, I think adding language on the bottom of every syllabus would be really effective to let our students know on this large campus where their resources are located at. We're like, that's mm. awesome. And other schools, yeah. they're like, let's send out text messaging alerts telling them where their mental health resources are at after they get that action alert or those text message alert if there was like a shooting in their area because schools oh, like to nice. inform their students. That could be triggering though. Mm -hmm. And so the schools could follow up with those informational messages. 
and from what the previous cohorts did and then the input of Rebecca and Johnny and their other colleagues, we created a checklist of recommendations for institutions across Colorado. All kinds of in- institutions. Higher education institutions. It's mostly higher education. Yeah, okay. so we're looking at like the two-year, four-year colleges. Got it. I'll let Rebecca explain a little bit more, but we've been working with legislators to create a resolution to get this passed out of the Colorado State Legislature as far as implementation goes and to ensure compliance by all of the institutions the higher level higher ed and what we're doing right now is we're trying to bring in institution feedback because a lot of these institutions are already doing it we want to see what's working what's not working what's missing in the list that's so great that's amazing I love that and Rebecca could highlight on some things that are included in the checklist too yeah so some of the stuff that um, is in the resolution is really like getting student information out there to let students know about different resources as Cameron mentioned on their campus to help their mental health needs We also have different categories like having counselors that are available and accessible, also culturally competent to kind of more of those, again, underserved populations. Um, We have other things going into like substance abuse aid, uh, like sober houses on campus and also A and NA meetings on campus, as well as really getting in that peer voice and getting the students involved in their own recovery by having peer leadership and a task force of faculty and students together. Um, so we're do, we have a lot of different sections of the, the resolution that are basically just looking at a whole host of needs on student campuses. And I love this word, culturally competent. What, what do you mean by that? I, I could make up a definition, <laughs> but you don't want me to. <laughs> Uh, so culturally competent is like this is a, a prime example like with my sister uh, she's grown up in like a more you know white neighborhood there's not a lot of you know Asian representatives and she's very hesitant to seek help when it's not someone that looks like me or looks mm-hmm. like her so culturally uh, competent is just for like a representative to understand the background that we come in uh, like Asian families are strict not a lot of people understand that you know we don't feel like a lot more comfortable if it was someone else that's just like giving general feedback it would have a nicer connection if it was the same ethnicity or someone that actually understands what we're coming from and what things help us and what things hold us back at the same time so i like it i like it we should we should actually have cultural competence training in in workplaces we Man. got thumbs up all around I mean, the table. Seriously, <laughs> we're not good at this, right? Just to understand. Yeah. So what has been a couple uh, situations, Cameron, I'll ask you, where you mm-hmm. just felt so proud of the outcomes and impact that a cohort had? You know, this previous cohort was outstanding. Um, they came in, I think, a bit timid and quiet and scared to share their stories <laughs> and experiences. I know, right? They're here now recording oh, yeah. a podcast. <laughs> yeah, they've come and a long they, way. They did, and, you know, within a month or two, they were scheduling their own meetings with legislators. They're finding sponsors for bills. They're attending committee hearings and interim committee hearings, testifying, going to the governor's press conference. Rebecca went to the governor's press conference as was keynote speaker. Johnny just represented students across the state at a convening at the Raria campus with the Department of Higher Education. Twice. Twice? Twice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's that is so amazing. That That's what makes me proud is that they, they now know that they have a voice and it's important and that they're heard and 
um, what they're saying matters. And so. And how did that happen for you guys? Because a lot of women I know getting into tech, especially when it's just they're the only one in the room, they hesitate to speak up. They hesitate to throw in their opinion. And so I know they could appreciate this kind of advice of what was it and what advice would you give them to how you made that shift? Yeah, so uh, something that started to make me really comfortable was working toward a common goal with the people I was with. And really just, as I was saying, forming these bonds with these people and starting to feel very comfortable around them because we were working for something we truly cared about. And I, I walked through the Capitol today to drive with Cameron and um, I just felt comfortable in the Capitol. I felt like I knew where I was going. Like and you strutted your stuff. Yeah. And I just <laughs> like, really, I belong here. Yeah. And it just it was really immersing myself in wow. those experiences, like testifying, like talking to the governor. Um, that really just got me feeling comfortable because I knew where I was at and I knew I was doing something that I cared about and that I fundamentally thought was helping to make a difference. Yeah. You know, it's empowering. Well, and I would think that it would also help you to speak up in other situations because once you get used to making that kind of difference, you kind of want more of it, right? Mm -hmm. So um, on the mental health note, got kind of a toughie for you. (laughs) The American Psychological Association has found that the percentage of young Americans experiencing certain types of mental health disorders has risen significantly over the past decade with no corresponding increase in older adults. And I know you kind of touched on that a little bit, Johnny, but why do you think young people are struggling with this so much? Yeah, I just want to say that mental health is definitely something that's very prevalent in young adults. And what's been awesome for me to witness, and I'll let Johnny and Rebecca talk a little bit more about why they they feel that is, but it's been great because now they're starting to talk about it and they're starting to work on their campuses, in their high schools, in their community about fixing the stigma behind mental health. Which the first step is actually getting people to talk about exactly. it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, that's what I was going to say is like that's what we need to do is we need to talk about it and then we need to talk about the solutions. We can't be scared. We have to talk about mental health the same as physical health. Yes. They're not they're not separate anymore. It's the whole holistic, you know, approach to being a healthy and well human being. So do you think it's a higher prevalence than like my generation of mental health issues and illnesses in people? Or do you think that it was all hidden and now it's gone up, but it's because people are reporting it? How how do you feel about that? You know, I could talk on my behalf and why I think that coming from a Latinx community, you don't talk about mental health. Mm. It's taboo. You were, I think, expected for a certain amount of time to just continue with your day and support your family, support your friends, and keep going. And now we're talking about it because what happens when you bottle things up like that Mm. is unfortunate circumstances. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to talk to someone. Exactly. It can only stay that bottled up that long. Yeah. Um, I was just going to say that in in my case, I tried to ball it up and I tried to not talk to anybody about what I was feeling. But in my case, I had a, a huge detachment from reality and I was getting like psychosis and really severe um, symptoms. And I tried not talking to anyone. I tried to push through it. But 
it led to really, really severe consequences and it led to me isolating myself and keeping away from getting help. So I really feel like it's it's a necessity to get the knowledge of mental health and addiction out there and especially to students, especially to young people who are getting influenced by things like social media, which I think personally is a big part of why people are experiencing yeah. mental health problems and just having that phone on you at all times and me expected to answer that phone and um, getting the effects of bullying and comparisons on social media. So I think just getting that knowledge out there that it exists and there is help and that you don't have to push it down until it becomes something that can ruin your life in a sense or ruin a part of your life it's just really crucial amazing i totally agree i was wondering if you were gonna if part of your answer was gonna be the social media thing because yeah that's my theory and so what would you suggest that young people or even millennials or even baby boomers like me (laughs) um just get away from the social media or take breaks or what do you think well uh personally um one of the solutions is just actually talking to someone. Instead of texting or emails, yeah, actually go talk face to face. Yeah, talk to someone because like there's like a, like a certain like chemical in your head that gives off uh, when you actually talk to someone. Mm. It's one thing to like video call someone, talk to someone, text someone, but it, it's you know different feeling when you're actually talking to someone eye to eye contact. You know, it, it feels like a certain person's there. You can just yeah. talk about it, whatever you want. You're not going to be left on scene. Yeah. Or not going to, like, you know, rejected phone call. You know, it, it's so much more different. And that's the thing. We need to speak up. You need to talk. And, like, I know it's kind of hard to talk. One of the reasons why this generation has, like, a lot more uh, sensitivity towards mental health is because the past generation was so much more simple. When I say simple, as in, like, back then, mental health was almost non-existent. Same thing with LGBTQ. That was almost non-existent, right? But now a lot of people are kind of speaking up and advocating for it. It's, it's more predominant now. But at the same time, it's still very new. And with that being said, one of the examples I wanted to, like, mention is, like, my family is, like, fresh off the boat. They don't know the language there is a language barrier and the thing is the word mental health mental illness or mental stress isn't in the vietnamese dictionary or any eastern uh, asian culture dictionary Mm. it's non-existent right Mm. so it's really hard for like generations like me to talk about mental health so your parents would say if i asked your parents what does johnny do in terms of this advocacy program how would they even answer now? So pretty much like <laughs> when I tried to explain to them like, oh, I'm a mental health advocate. They were like, oh, you work in a hospital? I was like, yeah, not <laughs> you know, right. But like I had to kind of simplify, uh, simplify it because, again, they don't know the language. And it's kind of hard to speak because like the word mental health does not exist at all. Mm-hmm. And it's frustrating. For example, my sister, she struggles with mental health all the time, but she can't really talk to someone. And going back to like the whole talking thing, she can't really talk to someone like her dad or her mother because mental health doesn't exist to them. You know, it's always like, oh, just put vapor rub on your, your chest. You know? <laughs> right? It's like, oh, you're, you're sick? That's fine. Yeah. Take a Tylenol. That's fine. Wow. Right? But it's so much more. It's it's not happening physically. It's it's so much more. It's mm-hmm. And that's what I'm advocating for. Uh, generations like me and other generations behind me to have a voice because they don't have a voice. And at the same time, there's a language barrier. And I need to breach that language barrier. Right. So, yeah, it, it's, it's difficult, you know. I love that you guys are doing that because what it makes me think of is 
if talking about mental health and knowing where your resources are is the norm at your university, then when you leave and you go to a workplace like some of the cultures I've been in, and it's a culture of like, if you're going to cry, go to the bathroom to cry, Mm -hmm. like no emotions, nobody's talking about it. If it was normal for you at university, then you might get to your workplace and be like, why don't we have this? And advocate for it. And even look for a culture where it's different. Yeah. So I think even though you're not working with private companies, you're affecting them. You're seeding them. You're changing how the people that are going in there are thinking. So the next CEOs are going to go in there and hopefully change the culture. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because it's going to be important to them Mm -hmm. since they went through this when they were younger. You guys are so awesome. (laughs) So so (laughs) what is this storytelling program you've got? Yeah, so our storytelling program is, I think, a combination between our regional offices and our DC team, but a majority of our comms team, our communications team, that works on providing platforms for our young adults to speak on the issues that are important to them. So that could range from getting an op-ed placed or having speaking opportunities, Mm. um, testifying, sharing your story over video, podcast, right? We want to make sure that we're able to offer all of these different opportunities to our young adults when um, they're given to us. And usually our staff, we try to be in the background of everything as the young adults that are leading the work can really speak to what they're working for and working towards and what's important to them. So it's personalizing the issue to me, it seems like. And a big thing I learned on the corporate side was how important it was when you were selling a product to actually have a story of someone who had used it and been impacted by that product. So it was amazing the difference you'd make pulling people in when they got that personalized story. Yeah, because yeah. a lot of policy making that's going on right now, young adults aren't at the table talking about it. You're right. Or invited to talk about it, even though it's going to affect them the most. Exactly. Right? So we're just really hoping that they, they have a seat at the table and they're able to weigh in on these decisions that are going to affect them. Do you guys have any plans, this is kind of out of the blue, but <laughs> to get involved in the election? to increase young voter turnout or anything like that yeah and so we do have a civic engagement branch and what we do try to do is um, encourage young adults to be more involved when it comes to voting that's um so that's mostly done out of our i think our headquarters in dc Mm -hmm. but we we definitely work around student turnout and try to partner with different coalitions and institutions around getting their students and young adults voting. Amazing. That is great. Because how often have you heard any candidate talk about any of these issues that affect the younger people, right? It's usually, uh, let's talk about Social Security. Mm-hmm. Which is what? How many years away for you, Ronnie? I don't 57. Know. Which, no. which still can affect young adults, yeah. but like, how are we going to talk about what they could do now yes. for Social Security? Totally. You know? Right. Because yeah. they have input. Right. And they might think about the problem differently. Yeah. So if you were giving advice to parents like yours to how you could help them to build advocacy in the kids they're raising, what would you say? What would you tell them? I would. Definitely tell them to just give a diverse perspective of the world to their children. I think that 
today, um, at least in this country, we're very, very polarized. So to teach, um, you know, an open mind, teach empathy, teach definitely that their voice is powerful and can make a difference um, in the world around them and just teach them to get off their phones every once in a while, you know? <laughs> Lift their head. Yeah, and um, a, a big piece of advice I would recommend is just like, I, I ask my dad this personally, and I asked him, um, is it okay for me to advocate for something I love? And like, I wanted his input because, you know, he... He doesn't know like how you, free speech works. Sure. Vietnam is kind of communist. Um, but he said, you should fight for what you want. You should fight for what you believe in. And that's what got him here into America because that is the American dream. He did it his way. Yes, that is his way. Yeah. And like the thing is, I put that in my head and I, and I wanted to like ask anyone who's listening to this, do you want the best for your child? Because that's the whole uh, idea. Let them speak. No, let them fight for what they want. Because maybe 20 years from now, there is something that I, I, I didn't know that was a problem. But let's let them advocate for it and let them change it for their history. You know what I mean? When advocating, it, like, it allows you to be a leader. It allows you to have a word, a speech, a voice. A lot of people don't have that opportunity. Yeah. I was working retail like five months ago, folding clothes. But like... <laughs> Ever since I got this opportunity, I got to actually speak up, advocate for like something I believe in. Wow. Right. And I'm not just advocating for myself. I'm advocating for like everyone in Colorado because in a way, all their burdens are on my shoulders. Even though it's kind of scary, I want that. I want that feeling of I accomplished this for you guys. And I actually made a difference in my life. Um, my friend Desmond, uh, he took his life about a year ago. He was like an internet celebrity and... Uh, before like he uh, he took his own life he made uh one final video and it's scary because like you can watch that video over and over but the, one of the things that he mentioned is he struggled with mental health in school if there was a mental health service in his uh institution he wouldn't be in the situation mm. and that and nobody saw it and no one saw it until the last second wow until it was too late so i, I watched that over and over and, and like watching your friend last seconds before going away it's kind of scary because like i could have done something yeah right but not a lot of people are talking about it not a lot of people are like going for help and i have this great opportunity to actually speak upon that mm -hmm. you know what i mean that's what advocating is you know i'm advocating not for myself but for everyone beautiful you guys have inspired me to do our next big girl topic, mental health in the workplace for oh, women. I love it. For everybody. But we're kind of yeah. like women focused. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 No offense, Johnny. It's not like Don't we worry. want the men to suffer. Right. <laughs> not that. That would be an amazing thing to do, though. Yeah. Um, okay, last question. Do you think working for Young Invincibles has changed who you are? And why? <laughs> like a test question. Yeah, I I would say it's definitely made me more comfortable with just really how to speak my own voice on the subjects that really matter for me and how to really actually turn that voice into something that's making a legitimate difference. And it's helped me to feel more comfortable in what I want to do with my future and that I want my future to involve policy. Again, it's just really been empowering and it's taught me a lot about the different plights of different people in my peer group that I never would have gotten the opportunity to talk to otherwise, which I think is one of the greatest gifts it's given me. And you seem so, so comfortable in your own skin. Do you feel that way? Uh, sometimes. <laughs> I think we could Good always answer. say that. Good answer. If anybody says 100%, they're just hiding. Yeah, they're lying. They're hiding. <laughs> yeah. 
um it definitely changed me again five months ago i was working two jobs um going to school and just doing nothing i, I wasn't contributing anything to society besides you know directing someone where to get a medium in a, a, a hoodie wow. right? so <laughs> that's so, what i felt when i was working at uh, hallmark at the mall oh yeah you know so let me check the back for your ornament that's what i said so yeah it definitely helped me I, i'm i'm feeling so much better before like working i felt i felt miserable that's why i wanted to pursue mental health i want to make a difference but like i won't be making a, a true difference until years from now after lots of debt and after i get like my degree you know and i want to do something now i want to speak for the people i want to speak for you know students parents and speak for my sister you know and it definitely changed me i have a whole new perspective on life it's just like my dream job you know what i mean yeah. well and johnny like what i hear you saying and what i seeing you is a lot of times the work that you do like this you don't get to see the benefits of it the results the outcomes until sometime later so enjoy that journey of how you get there yeah right because we are so immediate gratification based and just doing the work you can tell how much it matters to you even though you haven't seen the benefits of everything yet yeah. that's great Cameron how about you how is it how would you answer it? oh man this is the dream job I it is the most fulfilling position I've ever held just you know listening to them talk it just warms my heart being a young adult in our program gave me so much confidence and once I entered this role, I was like, I need to give that to every single young adult that walks through those doors. I need to be able to give them everything in my knowledge, bring in mentors to help them, bring in community leaders that have more expertise in different areas than I can. You know, whatever I can do with my resources, I need to be able to give it to them because why Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you want to give, you know, these 12 faces that look at you every week as much opportunity as you can? Wow. And yeah. it's like you have such a fire about you. Like, I have to do this. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's the way you come across. Yeah, I... That, I think that's what drives me is making sure that, you know, I, I do what I think I'm passionate about. And if I know I want to achieve a goal, I've got to keep mm -hmm. going. So how can our listeners, I said final question last time. <laughs> yeah, that's my final, final question. How could the listeners support Young Invincibles or get involved? There's lots of ways to get involved. Um, reach out to any of our regional offices. Reach out to anyone in our headquarters in D.C. You know, here in Colorado, you can help us by supporting our work that we do, um, specifically around mental health. We are trying to work with legislators to create that resolution around uh, healthy minds designation checklist. Um, so how would they get that information to be able to know what to even call their congressmen contact, and women about. Contact Young Invincibles here in Colorado. Look us up. Find the Colorado office. My contact information is listed. And I could tell you that all of our young adults in our programming will connect with you and let you know, yeah, we have this opportunity to testify. Yeah, you could come to the stakeholder meeting. Yeah, you could come tell us what we're missing. We're looking for any feedback and participation and engagement that we could get. And funding. Oh, yeah. Funding would be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, not only that, um, we also uh, have a Instagram also. I, I'm just going to input Please, it in there too. Please, throw uh, it in there. Healthy Minds Designation. Pretty simple. Uh, separated by um, bottom... Underscores. Underscores. Underscore. There, <laughs> there you go. So it, it definitely matters, and please support it. Get involved. Call YI. <laughs> Love it. Be the solution. Well, thank you guys so much for being here and for all the awesome work you do in your community. It's amazing. Thank, thank you for having us.
the little ray of sunshine. Yes. Our big girl spotlight about some incredible progress we're making in the law field. Oh, I know. So for the first time ever, the editors in chief of the top 16 law reviews in America are do, 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 do women. <laughs> They're female. Yay. I had a feeling when you started your little jingle there that you were going to say women. Because this is called big girl money. That That's just right. gave it away a little bit. That's right. As the elite group of attorneys gathered for their annual meeting, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg arrived mm -hmm. unexpectedly to celebrate their achievements. How cool would that be? That would be crazy. It's such, she says, this is Ruth, because we're on first name basis now. It's such a contrast to the ancient days when I went to law school and there were only two women, even on the law review. Oh my goodness. We're celebrating a significant shift, she went on to say. A 2012 study by the nonprofit group, Ms. MD, found that women comprised just 29% of top editors at the journals of the top 50 law schools. Oh my goodness. So it's fabulous that the top 16 are all women, right? Yeah, I love it. The editorial positions at top law schools have always been incredibly competitive. So it's cool to see that not only are women going to law school at record rates, but they're also excelling once they're there. Shout out to my uh, little lawyer friend, Jimena. That's who I was thinking about. She's the next generation making a difference out there. Yeah. And she finished her last law school class and her last final. Oh, bless so, her heart. Yeah, now she's studying for the bar. Like, and it's, it's like something crazy, like eight to 10 hours a day. Oh, I bet. I bet. Well, I'll send her a little note to give her some much needed encouragement. Yeah, she needed uh, dinner while she was studying tonight. She texted me and goes, should I order sashimi or should I make some nuggets? <laughs> you guys are crazy. I said both. Because you're studying and you should treat yourself. And why didn't you say it's an and, not an or, Jimena? I know, exactly. <laughs> if you're listening now, Jimena, if you ever want sashimi and nuggets, any of our listeners, if you want sashimi and nuggets, get sashimi and nuggets. It's an and, people, not an or. Exactly. So once again, thank you for a fabulous episode, Ronnie. You did a great job. Thank you. I really feel like I crushed this one. You did. I was able to get some exercise in. I did a push-up. I love it. So we look forward to sharing the next episode with the live Women Who Code. But until then, we all hope you're staying safe mm -hmm. and that you're all staying healthy. And please use this much-needed downtime to listen to some Big Girl Money episodes. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right, well, we'll see everybody next time.